on this episode of Catholics in the Capital. My guests today are Christopher Macchio, Joe Sicora, defining author of Defining Gravity, and Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, and my GRN co-hosts Michael Wasaba and Dan DeBasi. Stay tuned for Catholic Radio for Your Soul. Catholics in the Capital starts right now. Good afternoon, friends. I am your radio host, Christina Cox, and thank you for joining us on Catholics in the Capital. We're coming to you from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., today on Friday, April 20th, 2018. Our show is brought to you by the generosity of the Mona Electric Group and the Andrew and Susan Mona Foundation. Well, I am excited to be here for we have quite an interesting show today, and we have a great lineup of important guests. But before we start, I'd like to say a prayer to St. Michael. Here we go. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruins of souls. Amen. Well, we have some great guests today on the show. We have Joe Sikora, who's from Revelant Radio and also the author of Defining Gravity. And he's going to tell us about his new book, which is how choosing life lifted my family from death to life, defying gravity, just out on Ignatius Press. And Joe was a former police officer, an actor, a stuntman, a musician, songwriter, singer, licensed marriage and family therapist. And he's able to draw upon a wide range of knowledge and experience as he tackled a very important issue of having two children that had Batten disease. So you're not going to want to miss this show. It's an important interview. My second interview is going to be with Christopher Macchio, who's the Italian tenor and on the rise when I tell you he's the next Andre Pacelli, a famous Italian-American tenor. And Christopher has done various events in New York with uh, the New York tenors, and he uh, highlights so many events from all over the country. And later, we're going to have Father Jack Hurley's back with his reflections on the saints and prayers, as he will be joining us today to talk about St. Mark. I'm looking forward to hearing about this saint. And then later, Dan Dan, the radio man, is back, and we're going to be talking about what's happening this weekend in Washington, D.C. So if you're visiting us in our nation's capital, you're going to want to know where to go and where to eat. And that's the fun part of the show. So now we're going to do the Pope Francis report. And joining me in the studio is Michael Wasaba. How are you, Michael? What's going on, Christina? How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Good, good. So what's new with Pope Francis? Well, there's uh, been a couple of headlining stories that have come out of the Vatican, one being that a Syrian Catholic priest from India is among sainthood causes that has been advanced by the Pope. The story is really unique. So uh, the Pope met with the prefect of the Congregation for the Causes of Saints on April 14th, giving his approval for eight servants of God to be recognized as venerable. Uh, And one of these causes was Father Payapelli Palakapili, and he was born in 1876. 
And Father Paya Pili, he was a priest at a Catholic church in uh-huh. Syria, and his big cause was for the poor that led him to establish a congregation called the Sisters of Destitute in 1927 as a way to continue what he considered Christ's redemptive mission amongst the poor. And this congregation today, it includes over 1,500 sisters and is present in Asia, Europe, Africa, and the United States. They run schools, hospitals, homes for the sick, and needy rehabilitation centers for mentally and physically disabled children, health centers for AIDS and cancer patients, and libraries. So clearly he had a whole lot to do with uh, really advancing the cause for the underprivileged and the underserved, not only in Syria, but all across the world. And perfect timing today to have a uh, saint be canonized because of all the trouble that we're having in Syria. Can you tell us if the canonization for him will be in May or in October? Uh, let's see. Do you know? Well, he, uh, he, the cause for beatification was open on August of 2009. He was declared a servant of God on September of 2009. I do not have the actual date. They didn't date release the date yet because they usually make that. saints in May and then again in October. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll have to keep our eyes out. If he's there on May, then we'll know it's May. Otherwise, we yes, can go we'll ahead and Yes, we'll have to be watching for that. October. Yeah, I, I don't have that list of who's they going to be yet. beatified uh, into sainthood at that time. So what else do you have there that Pope Francis is doing? Well, the Pontifical Commission for Latin America has proposed that Pope Francis convoke a synod on the role of women in the life and mission of the church. The Pontifical Commission for Latin America stressed that the Catholic Church, quote, must be freed from prejudices, stereotypes, and discriminations that women are subjected to, and for this reason, a pastoral conversion is needed in order to ask women's forgiveness for all the situations in which Christian communities have been and are accomplices for attempt of uh, against women's dignity. The document also challenged local dioceses to be courageous and to denounce all forms of discrimination and oppression, of violence and exploitation to which women have been subjected. So obviously, very big news there in terms of making sure that women feel comfortable in their roles in the church. Well, Pope Francis said that when he first became pope that he was going to widen the role for women in the church, not that they could become priests, but there might be more, uh, you know, uh, defiant roles that they could have. And I think that's wonderful, especially in Latin America, where there's a very male-dominated uh, probably church and oh, absolutely. workforce. Absolutely. I mean, we, we're seeing it slowly, you know, adapt here in the United States, obviously, with uh, women and girls being able to serve as altar servers wasn't always the case. That's true. And, and so the adaptation, uh, and I think that's important, too, you know. Um, I'm not sure really how it, it uh, everybody would feel about that, but I think for people to be able to have the opportunity to serve God in any capacity, uh, it's pretty important. Yes, and we also have for the first time Barbara Jada, who's the uh, executive director of the uh, Vatican Museums. I mean, there's a major role for Absolutely. a woman that's always been uh, a man prior to that. Correct. So we're we're seeing the process take its place. Um, it, and it's really long overdue. So it's a great thing to see. Hopefully it continues to progress and continues to move forward in that right direction that women get continue to get the opportunities that men have always had the right to have uh, these jobs throughout. Not only, on, Honestly, this, this isn't even a specific to the Catholic faith or to the Catholic church. All over the – whatever yes. job. I mean it, it needs to be an equal platform on all, on all causes. Well, we see that in Washington. Women are stepping up to the plate. 
and want to be recognized and respected in their roles. Well, that's great news about Pope Francis. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back to Catholics in the Capitol. Don't change that dial. Praying for just the right school for your children or grandchildren? Consider Angelus Academy, an independent Catholic school for grades pre-K through grade 8 in Springfield, Virginia. For more information, go to angelusacademy.org or call 703-924-3996. Registration is underway now, and every day is an open house at Angelus Academy. Angelus Academy, where the truth of Catholic teaching takes flesh in young lives. Hi, this is Dan DiBiase, General Manager of WMET 1160 AM. I have an urgent announcement about WMET. We have been on the air in the greater Washington, D.C. metropolitan area since 2010. We have been leasing the station from a very generous family who purchased WMET for that purpose. The owners want to sell WMET. This is exciting news for the Guadalupe Radio Network. WMET is being offered to the Guadalupe Radio Network well below market value at $2.8 million dollars. We need your help because we only have one year to raise the funds to secure WMET as a Catholic voice for the area. Please visit our website at www.grnonline.com for more information or call us at 877-636-1160. That is 877-636-1160. Or email us at wmet at grnonline.com. That is wmet at grnonline.com. Please pray for the success of this project. Mona Electric Group is the leader in commercial and industrial electrical contracting in the D.C. Baltimore metro area with over 700 employees and over 250 trucks on the road. Founded by Cap Mona in 1966, Mona leads the industry in electrical service, renovation construction, new construction, fire alarm system, data system, and security system solutions. And with over $10 million in charitable giving as published in the Washington Business Journal, Mona Electric Group is the responsible choice in commercial and industrial electrical contracting. Visit GetMona.com for details. That's GetMona.com. Welcome back to Catholics in the Capitol. And today is my first interview with Joe Sikora, who was with Revelant Radio and also has a diverse background of a former police officer, stuntman, actor, musician, singer-songwriter, and licensed marriage and family therapist. And today we're going to talk about his wonderful book called Defying Gravity, How Choosing Joy Lifted My Family from Death to Life. Welcome, Joe. Great to have you on the show this morning. So nice to have you. When I listen to the intro, I sound a little ADD. No, really you sound good. <laughs> yeah. Well, let so. me tell you, I was reading your book this weekend, and it is so well written. I mean, I was crying. I felt your moments of, of how you were feeling, you and your wife, Lori, and then I could feel your joy. I could even feel your beautiful sons and what they went through. The beautiful pictures that you put inside were really warming my heart. I cannot believe this was such a challenge that affected not only your family, but many, brought many people together of faith. Can you tell us how you got the title of the book, Defying Gravity? 
Well, you know, it, it obviously the book tells a story of us dealing with a, this terrible diagnosis that we were given with our children, uh, that they had a neurological degenerative disease, that they'd start by losing their sight and then begin to develop seizures, lose cognitive and motor function, and end in death late teens, early 20s. And it just seemed as though the world was crushing in around us. And I, I just thought, you know, we, we've got to find a way to experience all the joy and blessings possible uh, that, that God offers as we also endure this real suffering. And, and it was about having to choose joy, choose life. And the whole concept of defying gravity is, is life will conspire to take you down. There will be tough things. Everyone will encounter difficult things in life. And uh, for us to find joy, we had to defy, you know, the, the burdensome and the difficulties of life to stand up, to, to find God and, and blessings. So that was the whole idea. And it was actually a friend of mine, a, a dear friend of mine, a clinical psychologist, who actually came up with the title. He goes, I got the title. He goes, Defying Gravity. He goes, that's what you guys do. And I said, oh, okay, perfect. Thanks. <laughs> wow, that's a, great, so. that's a great insight. Yes, the story of your son's battling Batten disease, and this is a rare uh, neuro, um, disorder that uh, does not have a cure, correct? Correct. Yes, yeah. so it, they, they were given uh, probably, what, till they would be teenagers to have to, and it yeah. would get progressively worse. Tell us about what that was like because you had sports with the boys you were still going skiing yeah. you were trying to do a lot of things well we're you know my wife and I are naturally active before the diagnosis we're always active with the boys you know we love going to the beach and boating and and doing all of these you know various activities it's just part of how we experienced life and they did and when we were first given this diagnosis, before we actually learned that it was a neurological degenerative disease that would take their life, the doctor said, well, we think your son is going to lose his sight. And we thought, oh my gosh, how do we actually deal with life with a blind child? You know, if only that were the worst. But we, we decided that, well, you know what? The blind can do a lot. You know, we're gonna do a lot. Now, of course, it progressed and they said, well, they're gonna actually lose their lives with this disease. But we just discovered that the more that we lived each day and in the moment, we found ourselves kind of naturally drawn into continuing to do, to partake of life, to be active participants in life. And so we just encouraged them to do what they could do, not focus on what they can't do. And when they did lose their sight, we found you know some VIP baseball teams and, and uh soccer teams and they played with other kids being led around the field and and I taught them to water ski and and uh, you know they really lived fearlessly so these and, were your moments so, you know, of joy when you could see them enjoying themselves during these sports and especially uh, you know John I'm reading on page 45 I highlighted this when he says to Lori mommy when you die, will you come back to be my angel? Will you promise not to be invisible? I want to know that you are there. Well, that yeah. was so touching. Tell our listeners about that. Well, it was, you know, we, we speak a lot of heaven. You know, we always did. And, and we thought, you know, our life can't be about protecting our kids, kids from the truth. Now, we never said, hey, you're going to die from this. We, we focused on what life offered. 
and and God being present and God being visible in their lives. And, you know, we we talked about angels and the life that we would always have. And, you know, John was always aware of his loss of vision and kind of what he wasn't seeing. But he would always very beautifully ask us, you know, tell, tell me what you're seeing. What are you seeing? And as we describe various things, whether it was we were in New in Yosemite or at the beach and we talk about it, he just, he would light up and, and he just loved that sense. And of course, you know, every boy has a special connection to his mother. I mean, I have a special connection with my sons as well, but he just always, you know, he feared, he had this fear that in heaven that he wouldn't be able to see that he would go through eternity, you know, with not having the same experience as everybody else. And that's so powerful. So we always told him, no, John, when, when heaven comes, you'll be able to see everything. There'll be there'll be no tears. There'll be no limits. And and so you know, he just said that one day to his mother, and it was of course very touching and very moving. He says, "I, I want to see you. I want to be able Aww. to see you." That's and so touching. So, you know, yeah, we spoke about that. So tell us but, a little bit about Ben because he had limitations that were different from John. Ben was the youngest. He was a younger son. Yeah. Well, they both of course, have the same disease. And, and we talk about the progression. But, you know, every every kid with this disease, and it's very rare, uh, Batten disease, juvenile Batten disease is called. Uh, but every kid pretty much suffers the same fate. They, they deal with seizures and blindness and loss of cognitive and motor function. But they sometimes do it at a different rate. And, and Ben's advantage and disadvantage, I guess you could say, was he watched his brother, you know, lose his sight first. And and Ben always lived with a healthy state of denial. <laughs> you know, as a therapist, I generally don't say denial is a good thing. Right. But Ben would always say, I don't have battens. I can see. Even when he couldn't see, Ben would always say, I can see. I can see. That's you know, amazing. I, I know there's a mountain over there and, you know, a car over there. And so he just... You know, he just thought, I'm going to carve out my own path, you know. And were the boys really close? Did. Were the boys close most of the time? They, they, or Yeah, they were. Of course, like brothers, <laughs> you know, they would, they would fight <laughs> and give each other a hard time. There was a lot of very normal life between them, but there was always a very special connection. And Ben has actually, it's, it's funny, and I, I know this would be very hard to believe, and, but I write about a lot of these things in the book, Defying Gravity, Ben has actually had visions of his brother, you know, returning to him wow. and seeing his brother. Which I believe again, that. Ben's blind, but, <laughs> you know, but he we, sees we him. Know. He sees him in his mind and his heart and perhaps knows his spirit is right next to him. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to explain the vision, but he one day we are in Mass, actually, and this was shortly after John passed. And I, I watched him kind of tracking something. Now, again, Ben's blind. But then he afterwards, he pointed up and he said, Daddy, John was here. He was right up there. And what was interesting is he was pointing to the cross. Oh, my goodness. And then he goes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> during Mass. And then he said, and he flew out over there. And his fingers just kind of pointed towards, you know, the, the doors. And... uh and I, I, you know, I, I didn't know what to make of it other than to say, well, what did he look like? Yes. And he described them, you know, with light and... and Absolutely. You know, it, yeah. So, you know, 
Well, you know, we've had a lot of amazing experiences. Joe, I think I feel a movie coming on, and I know that you were formerly an actor, probably still are. Um, I, I when I read the beginning of the book, and you talked about how many times you had to put your career on hold, how Lori was a nurse, and how when you were married in the beginning of all these things, you when you went out to California had to share. You were waiting to get these, um, you know, auditions in between, always thinking about your dream. So how do you feel about that now, how things have come around full circle? Maybe you might be doing a movie about your book. Well, I don't I don't know if I will or not. The book is what matters most because I really want to share this story of, of grace because everyone's going to everyone's going to suffer. Everyone's going to meet uh, and experience death of loved ones and their own death. And I've got to say, of course, I didn't feel this at the time, but me having to give up my dreams, me having to lay Joe down was the best thing that could ever have happened for my own soul, <laughs> for my life. Yes. Well, God you know, had a plan it, it got, for you. Yeah. 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 And and uh, my situation and, and the diagnosis got me out of the life of Joe and, and got me more into the life of my family and, and God and faith. And I, I had to begin to see life from an eternal perspective, not from my perspective and what just I want. So it, it was very good and healthy for me. You know, would I wish this on anybody? No, but I, I wish for everybody to experience God's grace and to have that awakening of what's really what really matters and what's important. And, you know, this is what the diagnosis did for me. You know, mm-hmm. so often, you know, not to sound cliche, but it's scriptural. You know, it's our faith. We, we meet Christ at the cross. That's right. And, and I did. And so it's, you know, this book isn't just about people who are going to encounter a neurological disease, because that's pretty rare, but everyone will encounter loss, loss of health, loss of relationship, that's death. That's true. And, and that's, you know, I sort of just tell my, my journey as honestly and vividly as possible. Well, you uh, did you know, that, so that well. Other people. I, you know, yeah, I, be- you. I believe your book will help other families that might be going through the same thing with a child or just losing a loved one. As you said, we only have one minute left. I want you to tell our listeners where they can get the book. And um, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, you can. You can get the book uh, Defying Gravity, again by me, Joe Sikora, uh, but the book Defying Gravity on Amazon. And I think you can order it straight from Ignatius Press. Uh, people, I've, I've heard Yes, already, it's on the website, the their website. Yeah, yeah. So you can get it right from Ignatius Press or Amazon. And uh, I, I think you can even get it for Kindle, too. I think you've got to get that through Amazon. So, But I encourage you to, to get the actual paper book because there are pictures and it's a it, it feels great. The book is wonderful. Ignatius, of course, did a beautiful job with it. So They certainly uh, did. Well, we wish you well with that. And my prayers go out to you and your family. And I'm honored to have you on the show today. Joe Sikora on Catholics in the Capitol. God bless you and all your work you do for the Lord. Great having you. Thank you, you so much. God bless you, too. God bless. We'll be right back to Catholics in the Capitol. Stay tuned. Don't move that dial. Not sure what gift to get for your loved one or what book to read next? Go to Paschal Lamb. Paschal Lamb is a full-service Catholic bookstore and gift shop. Located in Fairfax, Virginia, Paschal Lamb has a large variety of top-quality merchandise and a knowledgeable staff. We're open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. 
For more information, call 703-273-5956 or shop online at pascolam.com. Here at 1160 AM WMET, one of the things that we love to do is evangelize through the airwaves. If you want to help us evangelize through the airwaves by evangelizing on the roadways with an 1160 AM WMET bumper sticker, it's very easy. All you have to do is give us a call or email us at WMET at GRNonline.com and we'll send you out an 1160 AM WMET bumper sticker. Established in 1992, the Susan Andrew Mona Foundation was founded on the element of a mother's love for her son. 26 years later, this local nonprofit operates on nothing less and carries on the tradition of neighbors helping neighbors. For more information, to donate, or to follow our projects, please find us on Facebook.com backslash S.A. Mona Foundation. That's Facebook.com backslash S-A-M-O-N-A Foundation. Welcome back to Catholics in the Capital. And joining us in the studio is our weekly guest, Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthew's the Apostle. Great to see you, Father. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Uh, I wish the weather would balance a bit more, but... A little chilly out there, huh? Well, this morning it was, you know. Yeah, well, soon enough it will be hot in Washington. We know it can get pretty humid here. Well, great to see you. Do we have any saints this week? Who's who's on our list? Well, during the coming week, the church celebrates on Wednesday, April 25th, the feast of the evangelist St. Mark. There are various ideas on his identity. Was he the young man who fled when Jesus was seized at Gethsemane? Or an interpreter of St. Peter in Rome? where he took notes from him, just as St. Luke did of St. Paul, when both were in prison? Or was he the John Mark, who was a companion to Barnabas and Paul on their first missionary journey, or all three? According to the book of the Acts of the Apostles, Mark's mother, Mary, owned a house in Jerusalem in which the earliest Christian community gathered. In any event, sometime before the year 70, Mark's narrative appeared as the first of the Synoptic Gospels, and it had a decisive influence on the spreading, subsequent spreading of Christianity. And this year, his Gospel is one selected for primary reading from the three-year cycle of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three Synoptics. According to the historian Eusebius, Mark was one of the first to bring the Christian faith to Egypt at Alexandria. And there he is said to have been martyred during the reign of the Emperor Nero. In the ninth century, to save his remains from desecration by the Arab conquerors, they were then brought to Venice, where they rest in the Cathedral of San Marco. Depicted as a winged lion, as his gospel opens not with the infancy of Christ, but with the preaching of John the Baptist in the wilderness, St. Mark's impressive mosaic at St. Matthew's by that wonderful 
muralist uh, Edwin Blashfield is a favorite of mine. He is the patron saint of our Archdiocesan Church in Hyattsville, just over near the University of Maryland. One commentator has argued that Mark's story of Jesus is gradually revealed as a handbook of discipleship, a matter of patenting one's own life on Jesus' example of self-sacrificing love. And so St. Mark, spreader of the good news, pray for us that we may recognize this call that we ourselves witness the good news. Well, Father, do we know how uh, St. Mark was um, martyred during the reign of Nero? Do we know if he was uh, Uh, hung on a cross or just uh, put in prison? Do we have any knowledge uh, of that? does not seem to uh, come out as clear as, for example, the martyrdom of Peter and of, and of Paul. But uh, it is considered to have been in Alexandria and uh, during the reign of, of the Emperor Nero. I see. Well, you know, I've been to Venice. I've been to St. Marco um, Church there. Or is it a church or the cathedral? I forget. The cathedral. Yes, the, how uh, beautiful. It's right mm-hmm. in the square there. So they brought his uh, um, remains or relics there? Well, to initially to Venice, and then they were placed in the, in the cathedral, right, at, at San Marco. Well, what do we need to know about St. Mark if we want to pray to him? What is he the, um, uh, you know, what do people, what are his causes, his cures, his... Uh, well... He really is a patron of Christian discipleship. I see. Um, And he stresses in the first half of his gospel the unwillingness uh, or inability of his disciples to realize who he was. But then as the gospel progresses, increasingly there is this challenge to in order to be a disciple, to recognize that this can involve sacrifice and certainly self-giving. And some of his great uh, writings, I mean, as he took notes from Luke and, uh, and uh, also about St. Paul, so he knew many of the apostles. Apparently he did, and the story of him being on the first missionary journey with St. Paul and St. Barnabas is pretty intriguing. Uh, and it... Uh, it is a, a, an element that that uh, ties him in, interestingly, with Paul, both Paul and, and Peter. He's considered to have been, because he was initially around Jerusalem, very close to Peter and the early church. Well, that's wonderful um, news, Father. Thank you for sharing that with us. You know, I'd like to wish you a very happy birthday. Uh, I know you've been celebrating for a couple of weeks. What are you going to do this weekend for your birthday celebration? Well, I think <laughs> maybe I maybe I should cry. <laughs> no, I'm just giving giving thanks to the good Lord for the many blessings I feel that I've received. And you're still getting many and offers to do many things with your classes and radio. And, right. And, and I, I was so very fortunate from being a child because locally my birthday is Patriot's Day up in the Boston area, beginning of the revolution. So I never had to go to school growing <laughs> you up. You got that day off. Right. 
Well, we wish you a very happy birthday, and it's always great to have you on the show, and we wish you a blessed week, and thank you for joining us today, Father Jack. Thank you. Father, before you go, I have one question. I gotta, I, I'm sorry, Christine, okay, I have to sure. ask. sure. Are you uh, the kind of cake? Are you an ice cream cake? Are you a chocolate cake? Vanilla cake? <laughs> strawberry shortcake? What kind of cake do you like? Lemon cake. Lemon cake. <laughs> oh. Lemon cake's very good. We'll have to Yeah, we'll have to bring in some lemon cake. That sounds then. like an Italian treat. You well, know, they let the Italians. They love their lemons. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 healthy, and I I like it. Well, right. great. We hope you have a, a lot of candles and uh, and a lot of birthday wishes. Well, thank you very much, and uh, certainly one of the great gifts is being able to participate in this program and, and um, talk about my favorite saints, like St. Mark. <laughs> well, thank you, Father. It was great having you on the show. We wish you a blessed week, and thank you for joining us on Catholics in the Capitol. Established in 1992, the Susan Andrew Mona Foundation was founded on the element of a mother's love for her son. 26 years later, this local nonprofit operates on nothing less and carries on the tradition of neighbors helping neighbors. For more information, to donate, or to follow our projects, please find us on Facebook.com backslash S.A. Mona Foundation. That's Facebook.com backslash S-A-M-O-N-A Foundation. Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to WMET 1160 AM or simply log online to com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Well, welcome back to Catholics in the Capitol. Now we're going to do the fun part of the show of what's happening in Washington, D.C. And I'm with Dan. Dan, the radio man. How are you today? I'm great, Christina. How are you? I'm doing well. So what's going on? What's happening in Washington? Did you get enough uh, cherry blossoms last week? Well, yeah, I, I heard, unfortunately, the leaves have changed. So that, that has come and passed. So the Cherry Blossom Festival and, um, you know, it's always a great time of year, but that has passed, but there is still plenty to do in this wonderful city of our nation's capital. And so this week, probably the first thing I would highlight is the Film Fest here in D.C. Uh, it actually kicked off yesterday, uh, the 19th, but it will be going on for 10 days. Um, and it's a great opportunity. It's showcasing 80 independent and foreign films from 45 different countries, um, from all different genres. So from comedies to dramas, thrillers, shorts and documentaries. Um, great opportunity through all, all the movie theaters throughout the city. Um, oh, I see. For information as far as specific places to go, movies to see, and information about the movies and possible trailers, go to filmfestdc.org. Again, that's filmfestdc.org. Do you have any particular ones? Like, uh, there, like you said, from all over the world, I would assume Italian films and 
uh, from uh, Norway and Sweden and Germany, right? To parts that I've seen, yeah, d- for different countries in Africa and Asia. I, I didn't see anything specifically that I- I'd be interested in going to see. I tend to like comedy, so if there's any good comedy movies out there, I, that's probably what I would go for. I know sometimes when you're you're seeing things across cultures, sometimes it doesn't translate, but it's always interesting to see what they find funny in other cultures. And you mentioned the landmark East Street Cinema. Yeah, that will be yes. one of the, the, the cinemas that will be showing this, uh, along with the AMC uh, Maza Gallery and then the National Gallery of Arts uh, East Building and the Embassy of France will be partaking uh, in the film festival. So. Again, go to filmfestdc.org to see where those films are playing and at what times. Well, certainly check that out. And what else is happening? Well, interesting. Uh, tomorrow, um, so to change up for, for movies, there is a special mass uh, tomorrow and Rosie for Respect for Life. It will be at the Cathedral St. Thomas More in Arlington. It will be presided by Bishop Burbage of the Diocese of Arlington. Uh, the Mass will be at 9 a.m., but then thereafter there will be a rosary in front of an abortion facility at 900 South Washington Street in Falls Church. Um, and keep in mind, you know, praying uh, before a abortion clinic is a, a work of mercy. Uh, it's a spiritual work of mercy. So people sometimes are looking to try to do those works of mercy. This is a great opportunity. But I bring it up also because um, recently, this past Easter, the founder of 40 Days for Life, uh, David Barrett, just came into the Catholic Church. A lot of people thought he was Catholic, but he wasn't. He just came in. And um, there's a great website called churchpop.com. Oh, yes. Uh, I've heard of that. Yeah, and it, it's all, all Catholic content. It's more, you know, uh, the secular culture meeting, the, the Catholic uh, faith. And uh, they did a great article, you know, about this, but showing how the pro-life causes brought a lot of people into the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the names some people may or may not be familiar with, Lila Rose, uh, she's a founder of Live Action, which is a great pro-life apostolate. She was grown up in an evangelical Protestant family. Uh, then there's Brian Kemper. He was uh, the founder of Stand True, another pro-life group. Um, he was part of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with Abby Johnson. She used to actually work for Planned Parenthood. Um, but then with her, her work thereafter in the pro-life cause, she came into the Catholic Church. Probably some of the big ones, though, that, that are shocking is Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He's a founder of NARAL, which mm-hmm. was... Uh, trying to push for legalization of abortion in the 60s and 70s and still is uh, in effect today. And then uh, Norma McCurvey, who was the uh, Jane Roe in uh, Roe versus Wade. Uh, she came to the Catholic Church. And what the article is showing is that, you know, um, you know, pro-life causes people praying before abortion clinics has allowed a lot of Catholics to intersect with non-Catholic Christians and allowed to develop this relationship, but also bringing a lot of people into the Catholic Church who probably might not have considered Catholicism to begin with. And also with. to say the rosary together. Yes, to, to pray the rosary. And a lot of times, you know, uh, sometimes non-Catholic Christians, you, you know, will join in. Sometimes, obviously, they don't know how to do it. But sometimes I think it has a profound effect on them to see that. You know, people praying in unison. Praying together uh, is yeah. more powerful than praying alone. Yes, you know, prayers no, together agree. have a lot more big impact. And what else is happening? There's something with the parks or going on, right, in the city? Yes, tomorrow is kicking off National Park Week. So this is actually throughout the country. Uh-oh. but. Keep in mind, we're in D.C., so we have uh, 14 national parks in D.C. area alone. And tomorrow, since it's kicking off, Saturday the 21st, it's free at any of the national parks. Um, I bring this up because we have 14 here locally, um, and I looked at the list, and I would say I've, I can't even say I've been to a handful of them. Um, you know, obviously everyone knows the national park and memorial parks, but, I mean, there's many more, uh, such as, you know, the, the Constitution Gardens. 
George Mason Memorial Park, Frederick Douglass National Historic Site, um, Meridian Hill Park. That's one I would love to go to. I haven't been to. Um, it's actually uh, Italian-designed gardens and uh, architecture. It's a beautiful place just from the pictures. There's Presidents Park, Capitol Hill Park, Ford's Theater National Historic Site, Fort DuPont Park, Great Falls Park, which I've been to. I would highly recommend. And uh, Theodore Roosevelt Island, just to name a few. Uh, but I would highly recommend it. You know, I know the weather has kind of been up and down here mm-hmm. in D.C., but if... Well, people uh, want to go outside, and they want to take their children or their strollers or throw a Frisbee or something around and go fly a kite, right? Yeah. It's a, way, a great way for families to get outdoors, interact with each other, you know, something different than, uh, especially now the weather's slowly but turning, uh, take advantage of it this time. Well, I look forward to doing some of that. I haven't been to some of those parks. Myself either. I, like I said, m- most of them I have not been to. I need to, to get out there myself. Well, it's always great to see you, Dan. Thank you for joining us in this segment, What to Do in Washington, D.C. My pleasure, Christina. Guardian angels around my bed Joining me in my prayers They hush the shadows when they dance about They show away the best Guardian angels to comfort me If I wake in the night They gather all my dreams Their halos are my light They dry my tears If I should weep They tuck me Welcome back to Catholics in the Capital. And now I have my special guest, Christopher Macchio, with us. He's an Italian tenor with a beautiful, exceptional, powerful, and beautiful voice, classically trained as a tenor from Manhattan School of Music and a New York native. And he's been doing audiences all over the country. Welcome, Christopher, on the show. Great to have you today. Well, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. So tell us about your um, your upbringing. When did you find out that you had this gift from God, this beautiful voice that you have? Well, you know, I'm glad you characterized it that way. It really is something that uh, I acknowledge as a gift from God. And, uh, you know, I was a, when I was a kid, I knew I could sing, but I really didn't think much of it. I was much more academically focused uh, growing up, and I kept it a secret from everyone, including even my close family. Nobody really? knew that I had a singing voice. Yeah, and um, 
I guess it was in chorus when I was uh, 15 years old. I had to take chorus just to satisfy a New York State graduation requirement. And um, I took chorus, and halfway through the year, the teacher uh, decided to assess uh, you know, each member individually so he could rebalance the chorus. And you had to sing in front of your classmates. And out of everyone in the chorus, I refused. I was too embarrassed, too self-conscious to sing in front of anyone. So very frustrated, he said, okay, you can wait until the end of class and you can sing for me so I know where to place you. And sure enough, end of class came, everyone left. And when I sang for him, he just could not believe. He must have been shocked. (laughs) And he told me, yeah, he was totally shocked. He was totally shocked. And he, um, he sat me down. And he said, Christopher, what is it that you intend to do with your life? And I said, I think I'm going to either be uh, a physician or an attorney. And he said, wrong answer, young man. (laughs) He said, you, he looked me right in the eye, and he said, you have a gift from God, and you have an obligation to share that gift. And I emerged from the classroom that day a changed person on a completely new path in life. And it connected me to ways, uh, to people in ways that I never imagined would be possible. And it's all through the, through, through the grace of God that I so had So your dreams started to change. So then um, did they recommend that you go to this Manhattan school to further yeah. uh, work on your voice? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, I ended up going to, uh, he recommended a music summer camp. And, uh, you know, I started to get introduced to the, you know, to the whole idea of uh, really, you know, diving into this world of, of music and so forth. And um, and then, yeah, I ended up, the summer camp ended up uh, uh, funding, subsidizing ha- uh, my private lessons with a uh, NYU voice teacher. And the NYU teacher was the one that said, okay, the next step is you need to uh, go to a conservatory. So I spent my four years at Manhattan School of Music, and that's really where I developed uh, not just a voice, but, you know, as an artist, the ability to, uh, you know, imbue uh, uh, an artistic sensibility to, you know, to the material. Now, what about and, the Italian uh, repertoire? I mean, learning, did you, did your family speak Italian at home or did you have to learn no, that? No, it's, it's been one of the wonderful side effects of pursuing music and opera specifically uh, that allowed me to reconnect with my with my heritage my family has been here for a hundred years and so they really didn't uh speak the language anymore they were so intent on being quote americanized when they came over and um, and so um so they didn't speak italian at home i had to yeah i had to learn it my own uh, uh, on my own and uh and through the study of music and 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 through being involved in the Italian community who are very receptive to the opera that I've been trained to sing. It's through those experiences that I've really cultivated, uh, you know, facility with the language. And what I really hope to do is to uh, move to Italy at some point and spend six months to a year really, really, uh, you know, getting into the roots. Immersed into the culture 24-7. Well, you probably uh, started to yeah. feel that your life was uh, evolving because the more you were singing, the more joy you were bringing to people. You saw the looks on their faces, the more you wanted to learn. I mean, your career has gone from, you know, all over the United States, Atlantic City, Las Vegas, Chicago, 
all these great places. I want to tell our listeners about how you wound up in Mar-a-Lago singing for the president, <laughs> President Trump. Tell that story. Well, <laughs> well what happened uh, was uh, they every year uh, they have a beautiful New Year's Eve gala at the ballroom at Mar-a-Lago. And they have a band that plays during the night. Uh, but there's always at least one headliner that really uh, delivers a couple of knockout, uh, you know, solo numbers. And they've had Andrea Bocelli. Wow. And uh, that year they uh, were bringing back someone who had been there a few times, which was Elton John. And um, unfortunately for for President Trump, uh, or then just Donald Trump, right. uh, Elton John had to cancel. It couldn't make it. And at the last minute, Donald asked around his circle of friends and said, who who can we get to replace really? the Elton John to at least deliver a couple <laughs> of big solos? You know, and somebody said, well, there is this kid uh, up in New York. <laughs> Uh, Chris Macchio, and yes. I was like, I never heard of this guy, Chris Macchio, and he said, "Believe me, trust me." Yes, you when know, you'll he, hear him. He's a good kid. He'll 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 kill, knock everybody out. So I said, "All right." Donald said, "Okay, bring him down if you say he's that good." And sure enough, uh, I went down at last minute. Literally, it was um, it was eleven o'clock at night the day before New Year's Eve. So I had to book my ticket for the next morning, uh-huh. shoot down to Florida, West Palm. And, uh, and 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 that was it. And so I did God opened up I another did. door for you. I mean, every time and you turn around. Another door because after I sang, I got a standing ovation. Everyone saying, "Who the heck is this kid? Why haven't we heard of him before?" And uh, and he's and Donald says, "This guy's voice is magnificent, unbelievable." <laughs> and he drags me over. And he says, "I want to introduce you to a friend of mine." Yes. And he takes me over. And who does he introduce me to? None who? other than Rod Stewart. Oh, my through. goodness. So that must be some and picture in your portfolio between yeah. the two of them. Oh, it is. It was with me and, and, and Donald and Rod. And, um, uh, and and Rod said, my wife and I, Penny, uh, would love for you to sing at my home in Beverly Hills for my 70th birthday. Oh, my goodness. So I ended up performing with Rod and the Glenn Miller Orchestra oh, at wow. his house in Beverly Hills, at Celtic House. What a moment. And it was, uh, it was really something. And, uh, you know, I met all the celebrities and all that. And, and from that, um, additional doors opened for uh, casinos. And, uh, you know, it started, to, it started another phase in my career. Yes, and, your career uh, is on the on a rise now. I mean, we we had you at the so embassy great. of Italy and everybody was wowed and I can tell you what I also like about your style. You don't just stay on stage. You jump into the audience. You walk around the people. You sing so close up. So if someone is sitting in their seat, they feel even your performance even more <laughs> deeply. And who does Absolutely. that? You've got a lot of energy. And you just bring that energy um, into the audience. It speaks to the reason that I that I got into singing. It was not only uh, it was an obligation to share my voice that really got it going. But the only the the thing that really sustained my efforts was the positive connection and feedback I would get from audiences and to be amongst them directly. You know, and sometimes I joke, I said, just in case you thought that I was, you know, lip singing to a tape, you know, you can hear my voice for real, like right in front of you. If you 
and it's it's an unbelievable connection you can have with people and that when they come to me either during or a lot of times after a show mm-hmm. that kind of visceral uh direct you know uh reaction that they the feedback that they give me it's it's a powerful thing well it's the and look it's, on their faces really thing. after they've heard you yeah, sing it's, it's amazing and they tell me they're like god bless you god bless you. they sometimes tears in their eyes and you know i i try to make sure they understand that i'm not absorbing this feedback like you know as a reflection of uh you know uh, my own ego uh, yes you know, no you're very humble ego christopher because it's not about me at all right you know all, all when when somebody is given a gift it's it's kind of like on loan you know from 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 God in a way and you're you're really just entrusted with something to serve as a conduit you know and and that's really what it is it's the music at the end of the day it's just uh, you know or all art it's an expression of the human condition of the beauty of God's creation and you are entrusted with a with a vehicle an instrument that that focuses that energy that human energy and so the audience themselves they're all an integral uh part of that experience if Absolutely. it's just me on stage singing by myself who cares it only means something when there is the, are those audience members there to really participate in the energy and i draw on their energy and and then reflect it back to them so so it really is like a a communal very humanizing uh reaffirming experience for everyone and you know, i think that's why um being a part of of this event now for the second year in a row is such a wonderful yes we're looking forward to having you well christopher we only have one minute but i want people to know where to go get your albums where they can see you on the internet so tell our listeners the best place okay aside from christophermacchio.com which is uh, still a website that needs that's being relaunched go to chris macchio at chris macchio on instagram the at symbol C-H-R-I-S-M-A-C-C-H-I-L. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook. That is where all the pertinent information is most likely to be found. Same thing, follow me on Twitter, at Chris Macchio. It's always Chris Macchio. C-H-R-I-S-M-A-C-C-H-I-O. Those are my handles. Follow me on social media. That's really the best Well, thank way. you, Christopher. I'm sorry that we're going to have to take a break now, but I will be telling people at the end of the show how to find you. We're looking forward to seeing you at the gala for the National Museum of Catholic Art and Library in Washington soon. So congratulations, and thank you for and coming. God bless you for doing the work that you do. God bless you. Thank you, Christopher. Well, that wraps up our show today. I'd like to thank our guest, Joe Sikora. From Defying Gravity, what a wonderful book. Don't forget to pick that up. And, of course, Christopher Macchio, Italian tenor, for joining us. That was some interview with Joe. I really learned a lot, and I would recommend getting the book on Amazon.com. And we look forward to seeing Christopher at the um, Museum of the Bible on May 20th. And thank you to our spiritual friend and special weekly guest, Father Jack Hurley, who's a wonderful priest from the famous Cathedral of St. Matthews. Thank you for joining us today. And we also want to thank Michael Wasabah for the Pope Francis Report. And Dan Dan, the radio man for the co-host, my co-host of What to Do in Washington, D.C. It's always a fun segment. 
and like to thank, thank our listeners for joining us, especially our sponsors, the Mona Electric Group and the Vincent Cap Mona and the Andrew and Susan Mona Foundation. Thank you for supporting the Catholics in the Capitol today. Please check our Catholics in the Capitol Facebook page or email me at Christina Cox at grnonline.com. I'd like to end with a prayer to Our Lady Guadalupe, the Mother of Americas. Extend your protection over all the nations in this continent and renew their fidelity to Christ. Inspire their political leaders to pursue policies of equality and justice. Protect Juan Diego's brothers and sisters from discrimination. Care for all children. Keep families united. That your clemency and your compassion and your protection be manifested through your holy image. We ask you this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So I always want to thank our um, uh, show, uh, people on our show today. Don't forget that um, next week we have a special guest, Auxiliary Bishop Mario Dorsonville Rodriguez from the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. So tune in next week. I am Christina Cox, your radio host for Catholics in the Capitol on WMET 1160 AM. And before I go, join me in saying... God bless the Roman Catholic Church, and God bless America. Now stay tuned for Dr. David Anders on Call to Communion.